going tonight, everybody? We are Run The Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back with our conclusion to our Samurai series. And what did you pick, Dan? I picked The Hidden Fortress from the esteemed Akira Kurosawa. You may have heard of him. Maybe. I would hope so. If you haven't, you've seen something inspired by his many, many films. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about him, but this is the only one we've watched in our Samurai movies category of his. But at least we cover, we're covering one, at least. That's all. That's all we can ask. It's the finale, too, from 1958. 58? Dang. Yeah. And this is the movie that inspired Star Wars. A New Hope, the first one. But I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, currently on IMDb, this has an 8.1 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 97% tomato meter and a 93% audience score. So high ratings all across the board. And what's the synopsis, Dan? What's going on here? Ah, lured by gold. Two greedy peasants escort a man and woman across enemy lines. However, they do not realize that their companions are actually a princess and her general. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yep, there it is. <laughs> you read it straight from IMDb. I did. <laughs> I'm looking at it too. <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty decent synopsis, I think. So what did you guys think about The Hidden Fortress? Man, this was not what I thought it was going to be, <laughs> I gotta say. What'd you think it was going to be? Well, I thought it was going to be a little more along the darker lines of the past ones we'd watched, a little more on the uh, action-y, violent side. But this movie is like almost like a kid's adventure movie. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I thought it was going to be super serious too, but it's yeah, it is more like a swashbuckling feel almost is what it felt like to me. It's definitely more mainstream than the rest of his stuff. I read that Kurosawa made this it's kind of like a thank you and to make more money for uh, Toho because they let him do other movies like Rashomon and take risks. So this is his uh, mainstream swashbuckling treasure hunt. Uh, Adventure film. It's like a, a Zorro, the Brendan Fraser mummy. Stuff like that. Star Wars. <laughs> Indiana Jones a little bit, yeah. Just like the tropes of, yeah, when like he climbs on his horse and he looks back and like smiles and as he's riding away, it's like, wow, this is like, I've seen this a million times in so many other movies. <laughs> yeah, this is like my perfect movie to just turn on a Sunday morning and just sit there and watch and enjoy it. I think it would have helped me going in if I had realized what it was going to be. Because, like, it was entertaining at first, right? But then by, like, that last, like, 40 minutes, I was like, hmm, don't think it's ever going to be what I was expecting. So maybe <laughs> we could waiting, huh? maybe we could wrap this up here in the near future, maybe. Uh, there's a lot of really long scenes of those two peasant dudes running around and doing goofy stuff. And they go on for a yep. very long time. They are funny, though. I'll give them that. Like, they were cracking yeah. me up. And they're, like, trying to get across to the princess what they're going to do with the horses is go give them a drink and they're like pantomiming like a horse <laughs> for like three minutes like it's a super long scene and everything but it's so funny i was just started busting up laughing watching them like <laughs> just hop around and like do the the whinny and stuff 
Yeah, they were pretty comical. I liked when they were trying to climb up the the rocks to get to the other side. And then the, the buff guy or Toshiro Mifune or whatever, he was just like, what are you fools doing up there? <laughs> that and then when they get in trouble, they're always like, oh, will you be my friend? And they're, the other one's like, yeah, of course. And then as soon as gold gets brought up, they start fighting over it. Yeah, they're, they're really funny. <laughs> I was not expecting that either from this, but they, they were they were pretty good. I enjoyed every time they were doing one of their bits. <laughs> I did like them a lot, but I do feel like their ending gets a little. It doesn't like it doesn't end the way I expected it to. I guess I don't know. Like it was, I felt like they could have helped out a little bit more at the end, you know, because they've been kind of <laughs> useless the rest of the movie. I thought that was going to be their big arc, but no, they just kind of disappear, and then at the end. You know, they get they learn, I guess, not to be greedy, but Well, they were gonna turn them in. They were gonna turn in Toshiro and the princess. They tried to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I thought they were gonna have a change of heart. Like when the other general comes in into the the prison to like meet him, I was like, Oh, it's those two, they're in disguise or something. But no, it was just yeah, they're they they're just gone until the end after that. Like I think they could have gotten a moment to actually be heroic instead of being on the sidelines, goofing it up and being greedy. Maybe they could have, you know, like learned their lesson a bit. <laughs> that was also my exact thought. So they were going to like come in dressed up and save the day. I think my main thing while I was watching this was I just kept looking for Star Wars because I knew that this movie was the one that George Lucas was quoting that he got a lot of his inspiration for Star Wars from. But it's not super there. He kind of took the idea and just did his own thing with it. Obviously, the, the two goofy guys are uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO, and there's the princess, and that's about it. I did see a thing where he, like, said that, like, this wasn't the inspiration for, like, the plot of Star Wars. It was, like, the inspiration for, like, R2-D2 and C-3PO, and the plot being viewed from the small people characters, the side characters. See, I didn't read that until after, so I kind of thought... This was going to be different than how it was, I guess. Those two dudes definitely are. I mean, R2-D2 and C-3PO are just definitely straight up these two dudes. Like, the beginning of this movie is like scene for scene, the Tatooine intro in New Hope. Yeah, the whole start of this and then the princess character are very... Well, see, I was thinking about that too, but it's like Star Wars isn't a remake of this at all. Like, not even close. It just takes ideas from it. Like, the princess basically being a princess of nothing and having to escape. That is um, a big theme taken from this. And then the princess being a strong-willed character, which is not as common in, the <laughs> in this period or when Star Wars came out, even. There's that aspect of it, too. I did like how they went into... They delved more into, yeah, the princess without a nation kind of thing. Because, I mean, Star Wars, like, touches on it for, like, a split second, and then they kind of just forget about it. But in this one, it's like the whole point of the movie is, like, getting back to her country and, you know, rebuilding and starting anew. And I I really like that about it, that they actually, that was kind of, like, the goal, the focus was was that point. I agree with you on that. The driving force is still the same for the characters, but... What they do with it is a lot different. I do think, yeah, having that like princess with no nation narrative overarching really saves this movie from being just a straight up like goofy two hour comedy. 
it does kind of add like an air of intensity, even to some of those later scenes that are mildly goofy. But like, you know, if those peasants mess up too bad, then everyone's going to die. That's true. Yeah, because and it, honestly, they don't introduce that idea for quite a while in the movie. Like we're just kind of hanging out with these two bumbling peasants for <laughs> a lot of the movie before we even get introduced to the idea of, yeah, the princess still being alive and there's a general and all this like they don't really tell you till I don't know, it seems like maybe like 30 ish, maybe a little more minutes in. Oh, at least. Yeah. Like I'm like, what's the, what's the plot here? Yeah, it's like it kind of takes us time establishing what. Where, where we're going. Yeah, it establishes the world state nicely, and it foreshadows um, what's going to happen with the rest of the film. I've al- I always liked seeing... I, I like how they they frame it from the two peasants' perspective, because it's different from what you'd usually see in like a Civil War setting, things like that, you know? And then they sprinkle in enough foreshadowing, like the bounty for the princess who's escaped and all that. So they do a nice job setting it up, I think. I probably could have gone for a little less setup at the beginning of this. The scene on the hill there where they're trying to climb up, that was funny. Don't get me wrong. But like the scene where they're bashing sticks to get gold, right? Yeah. Like, it was, like, funny at first, but that was, like, a five-minute scene of them tromping around in a steer, like, stream <laughs> bashing sticks. Some of those scenes I do think are too long, too. Like, when the general's just, like, wandering around in the meadow, like, <laughs> I think there's a scene where he's just walking to the oasis or whatever, and it's just like, okay, we could have just cut to that. Or, yeah, like, when they're climbing up, it's funny for a bit, but, yeah, it does take forever for them to actually, you know get up that mountain it's just close-ups of them like scrambling on these loose rocks for like two minutes it's like okay we get it we get it but we get toshiro mifune's awesome entrance into the film during one of those parts i mean his entrance is awesome (laughs) they're just bashing sticks and then they walk (laughs) and he's just standing up there framed by the light in the rocks with the heroic pose and they're like who is that (laughs) He just stalks them around. <laughs> His entrance is great. Like, he just goes and sits at their fire without even questioning it. Like, that was pretty good. I do wish they would have, like, actually built up those two, like, the, the general and the peasant's relationship. Because I thought, at first, I thought the kind of direction they were going to go with was, because um, the peasants are the one who bring up the idea of how to get to this other country. And he's like, oh, that's a good idea. And I thought it was going to be something like, you know, he's underestimating the peasants, but they actually are pretty smart. You know, they they might act dumb, but every once in a while they have a good idea. But I feel like that's the only good idea they ever have. And then the rest of it's just them <laughs> goofing around and not being much help. It did kind of like, I guess, yeah, even further increase that tension because like they never really are loyal to the princess and the general. Like, they're always scheming about how to, like, either run away with the gold or turn them in. And I was constantly like, okay, is this the time? Like, is this it? Are they going to betray him here? Is it going to stop being funny? Which, I mean, you know, they didn't have to. It was it was still a good ride. Keeps the tension high, though, throughout, which is nice. I, don't know, I didn't really feel much tension at all in this movie, except for maybe in the first little bit when they got captured and taken to different sides and they had the big rebellion. The rest of it, I kind of figured they were going to get out of it fine just because of the, the vibe and the themes and the just the general movie, the way it is itself. I can't find the right word there, but... More easygoing. 
I didn't feel hardly any tension at all because it's just not that kind of movie compared to his other ones that actually have the tension as a main factor of the movie. I could see that, yeah. I thought they were going to pull a Davy Crockett on us and have this fun swashbuckling ride through the countryside of Japan and then kill everybody in the last 10 minutes. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me with Kurosawa. That's definitely something he would do. <laughs> yeah, when's the weight going to drop? I, I was waiting for that too until I saw the scene with them like doing the pantomiming. I was like, okay, I think I understand what movie I'm in now. <laughs> but it, it is true. I think there's some expectations that I had. I was like, man, like something terrible is just going to happen, you know, but I'm kind of glad they didn't go for it. It does make it feel different compared to other stuff that I would expect from the genre. And even it makes it stand out a bit in this limited series that we've been doing. Like it's a lot different than all the other samurai movies we watched. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, actually. Like, all the other ones we watched are about revenge and bad people and things like that, but this one's completely different from that. It's just a fun adventure movie, really. <laughs> That's basically what it boils down to, even though it does touch on some darker tones than you'd normally see in something of this fair. That's usually what makes the the great ones better than all of their peers. I guess my question would be, do you consider this to be a samurai movie or more of just like a, a feudal Japan movie? Both, I'd say, because a lot of Toshiro Mifune's character is, I mean, he's a samurai general, so a lot of that samurai feel comes from him and his honor and his duty to protect the princess at all costs essentially plus we get to see him showcase his awesome samurai skills multiple times throughout the film i i'd say it's a combination of both along with some light-hearted comedy too <laughs> yeah i'd agree i mean yeah he's definitely a samurai and like i guess it's yeah a samurai movie from the perspective of peasants which is definitely a new experience from what we've been doing. How they see him when he first shows up, I mean, it's perfect because to the peasants, it'd be like a commoner looking at a knight in medieval times, right? And being like, man, that's got to be awesome. Or that guy's so cool, things like that. So it, it's already putting it in that heroic tale perspective since it's from the peasants who aren't involved in the samurai class. Therefore, they wouldn't know... Or have a reason, really, to criticize it like all the other films that we did in this series do. Did they ever really figure out that he's a samurai, though, until the end? Because I got the vibe they nope. never believed his story. <laughs> yeah. I think the very end was when they figured out, oh, <laughs> so this is what happened. This was what the movie was about all along, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I find immensely funny, too. To trick them the whole time. <laughs> I love that scene when they were just digging and they had to take a break. I don't remember exactly <laughs> what they said to each other, but they were like talking mad smack about <laughs> each other. Yeah. Like, I hate how you blink so much. And he's like, get those ugly teeth out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are pretty hilarious in this movie, man. Yeah, like I was cracking up at a lot of the, they're just insulting each other so hard but yeah like dan was saying every time they like finally get in a very serious situation they're always like 
can we be friends? <laughs> it's like, we'll be friends in the afterlife. And he's like, of course. And it's like, it's pretty funny how they just keep, it's like a cycle. <laughs> a lot of the film rests on those two's shoulders and they do an excellent job with the material given to them. Like they stand up toe the toe with Toshiro in this, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. They're just so fun to watch. Yeah, just their acting and their facial expressions. It's perfect. Yeah. It's really like refreshing from the other movies, too. We've never had characters like that. And they're like doing all those high pitched yelps and <laughs> screams and freaking out. <laughs> I really like the fight scene that we got in this. That was pretty cool. When he fights the other general, that was awesome with the spear fight. It was really long, but it was so cool. Like, I didn't mind because it was just like, man, this is super intense and. And you don't, like, once again, you know, I'm used to samurai swords, so I wasn't expecting the spear battle. They're a master of all weapons. Yeah, it was cool. And when he chases them down on the horse, ah, that was sweet. <laughs> I wish that that general, though, had showed up more his, like, friend, adversary, his frenemy, I guess. I really like the relationship that they had with each other, but it feels like we see one side of him, and then we immediately just get to see the other side of him. Like, we don't really... I think if he would have been present more, like maybe he'd shown up at least one more time as kind of his more cheerful, willing to fight his friend kind of state, I would have appreciated his turn a little bit better. Because it's a cool relationship that is like, you know, it's like, oh, we're on opposite sides, but we can still be friends and that kind of thing. But I don't know. I just didn't feel like they explored it all that much. He could have been a, a fun reoccurring like villain who helps him in the end. That was one of my main criticisms of this, was that the characters are all stereotypical. None of the characters are super deep, and we don't get to see them develop too much, with the exception of the princess and the friend. But like you said, the, the character switches are they're justifiable on the friend's side. But yeah, I would have liked some more, a little more development. Yeah, kind of. Moving forward a little bit, I gotta say, this movie, this came out in like 58, right? 58. This movie looks like way better than some of the other ones we saw that came out, you know, in the 60s even. I don't know, I thought this looked awesome. Like everything about it, the filmography, that classic screen wipe that I'm pretty sure George Lucas got from this for Star Wars. The like costumes, man, the samurai armor is legit in this movie. It's so cool looking. Especially the one he's wearing at the end. Ooh, it's very fitting. <laughs> it's so cool, yeah. <laughs> you become the armor. Yeah. It is very good. And, like, most of it takes place outdoors, too, so... I want to say that they use natural lighting for a lot of this film. Obviously not all of it, but, man, it does look really good. <laughs> Just something Kurosawa is an expert at doing <laughs> is framing all his shots oh man he's so good at that that's probably why it looks better than most of the the 60s movies like he said fox just because he's so good at framing and planning out his scenes it's just it's great it's always a treat to watch one of his movies for that i wanted to bring up too i love when movies have like tons and tons of extras in them and this movie is no exception it's just like it's so cool watching all those people on screen at the same time and getting into their roles and acting it out like it would happen in real life kind of it's just it's it's cool like i've always liked it like 
Lord of the Rings or um, the Ten Commandments all have like tons of extras in them. It's just, it's cool. It gives it an epic, authentic feel that you don't get in something like the Star Wars prequels where it's all CGI and stuff. Yeah, like the fire festival. That thing was cool. They're all just dancing around the fire. That was really awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes with like just it seems like hundreds of people like, yeah, when they're all getting rounded up to be put into to work, I guess they're becoming slaves. There's that. And then when they're in the pit and there's like people just laying everywhere around them, people getting kicked by the guards as they walk through the villages and stuff. I guess that was kind of one thing that I always associated with like samurai movies was having a ton of extras running around. But I don't think we really ever saw that until this movie in our series, at least. I mean, Sword of Doom had a lot of people in some scenes, but nothing compared to this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, the prison break scene is nuts. I don't know how you organize that many people to, like, make a coherent scene. Which makes it even more impressive that it <laughs> that he did. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, the choreography of the guys getting, like, shot in the front and the dudes trying to, like, pile over him in the back. Speaking of extras and people getting piled over... <laughs> Pretty sure in the beginning there's a guy who gets run over by a horse. That dead samurai that they find in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure he got stepped on by one of those horses of the guys that kills him. <laughs> oh no. Oof, I hope not. <laughs> like, maybe they swapped out for like a dummy or something, but I don't know, the arms were still kind of twitching. Oh god. <laughs> I, yeah, oh man, I didn't notice that. Mm. I already felt bad for that guy. He looked very worse for wear when they found him. Like, <laughs> is this man okay? We need to find this guy. <laughs> yeah, Kurosawa is just great in how he composes his films and his shots. Like, he does his own editing, so it just, it's like he can plan everything out so well and achieve his vision the way he wants it to be seen. I really like the speaking of people who don't look too good for wear at the very beginning when we first meet the two peasant dudes. I love their like costumes that like the like foot soldier armor that's just like shredded. <laughs> but that one is just missing the whole lower half of his shirt for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like what even happened there? Like He still got the sleeves and the collar, but everything else is gone. He had a rough time. That's all we know. Considering those guys, I'm not surprised. They were buffoons, man. They were buffoons. You know, we don't see this a lot either, but we we get a lot of guns in this movie. In the samurai movie. I wasn't expecting that. A lot of people getting shot, which was like, oh yeah, guns are around too. I forgot about that. A lot of muskets. Like that scene when uh, they're running away from like, almost like the invisible enemy. The army's like slowly encircling them through the woods and it's got that weird Ooh. ominous music <laughs> and gunshots are like ringing out as they're running. Ooh, that was so cool and so scary because it's like, man, not even the general can stand up to that. Like the guns, like he had the whole army scared earlier when they all had spears, but now that they've got guns, like there's, there's like nothing he could do, you know? Oh, That whole sequence was like, so creepy and so intense because just from the way it's filmed the army you hear them everywhere they go they hear that drum and the horn and then they just like materialize out of the mist whenever they try to go somewhere oh it's so well done mm -hmm. it's scary i was kind of surprised by all the jump cuts in that sequence with the logs getting shot 
I don't know. Like, I guess I would have thought that they would have, like, put, like, Toshiro behind the log and set off the little firecracker gunshot things, but it appeared that they set those off and then cut, had him go hide, and then resumed, which there was a ton of that happening at the end, and I wasn't huge on that. I mean, I get that it's the 50s, and we're limited on technology and ability, but... Seems like they could have figured out a way to do it without having to do the jump cut, but... I mean, I guess I don't know where, yeah, the film industry was at at that time in Japan. Maybe they didn't re- exactly have it figured out yet in the 50s, like how to get the effects just right to not explode somebody on accident. Yeah, you don't want to explode Toshiro Mifune. That's what I was just thinking, yeah. <laughs> get that man clear. Don't want to miss the golden god, man. What a champ, though. Man, I love that dude. He's so good. Yeah, it's like he's so he's good in everything, even this where he's just a stereotypical role for the most part. He brings so much like gravitas and charm to the role that it's like you can look past it. I don't think I've seen him give a bad performance. I was a little dicey on the princess. I think her character was pretty progressive for 1958 cinema, you know. I liked her for the most part. Her whole thing of basically having to go live as a commoner was really interesting and how that changed her perspective. And she's like, oh, I need to save my people or specifically the lady they save from being a prostitute when she experiences the fire festival with all those people in the village and how that changes her attitude at the end of the film is really well done. And like you said, Mike's really progressive for that era of film and for the culture in general, I think. But I think I'm with you a little bit, Fox, that they resort to having her yell most of her lines out in the film, which is a which is a real big shame because it makes her come off as annoying more than anything else. At least it did to me. And it's like, I get why they're doing that because she's supposed to be acting like a boy but i think they could have given her some better direction with that yeah that was my exact feeling too the yelling (laughs) (laughs) it came off pretty one note with a lot of her yeah lines just shouting them i mean the character is written great it's just the uh the delivery of the dialogue that was a little iffy yeah just let her talk normal but she's a mute for half the movie I won't say a word until we get there. <laughs> and then like 15 <laughs> minutes later. <laughs> that didn't last long. Those peasants are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't stand them. Oh well, yeah, I don't blame her, honestly. Yeah, I, I get it because they wanted her to be disguised as a boy, but they could have given her some better direction because she does fine in all the other parts, I think. Especially at the end when she was like congratulating the two peasant dudes, but still yelling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you mad at them or? They're far away. You, you saw how far away they were. They're like <laughs> they were. across the room. At the other end of the room. It was... <laughs> Finally, a realistic interpretation of voice volume in these <laughs> movies. I did like, too, that she was a competent fighter as well. That was a nice change of pace. I wish she would have had a chance to actually, like, fight somebody that would have been cool besides just messing with the peasants <laughs> yeah getting the mistakes when they're trying to start to be a little creepy <laughs> oh no yeah do we want to talk about that might as well since we're here 
every once in a while the peasants have a little weird line where I'm like get a little uncomfortable about what they're implying. <laughs> like, I mean, it was pretty obvious in that particular scene. What if we pick a straw so one of us goes away for a while and leaves me alone with the princess? Uh... That happened multiple times in the movie. Too. Yeah, like I think two times. I like to imagine that he's just going to try to like lay down the moves, you know, like just have some one on one conversation. But <laughs> what I really, really I don't know if that's really what they were going for. Would uh, not line up with the other movies we've seen. I just probably thought it was a funny joke and it, it was it just wasn't funny in this day and age, you know, like, yeah, because <laughs> they do play it off as a joke every time. They're not age well. I do think, Terry, that is supposed to be more of a joke in this one because the whole thing's like, do you really expect these bumbling buffoons to be able to do something like that and get away with it, right? So I think that's kind of the angle they were going for with that. But yeah, I do agree that is pretty tasteless in today's standards. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they would even have the idea in the first place is not a... Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I like to imagine that it's just, you know, like the classic, like, oh, I just, you know, like, I want to just lay on the, the, the words, yeah. the moves, just you know. Just talk, you know, I mean, she's a mute and deaf, we think, but. <laughs> but, yeah, then I remember that part, yeah, that you said, and I'm just like, hmm. So, yeah, they do think she's mute and deaf, and, yeah, it didn't, those parts didn't age very well. Thankfully, they're very minor, very minor parts in this. If you made it through the other three movies in this series we've done then you probably don't like this isn't gonna bug you any especially if you made it through sword of doom and lone wolf and cub i do wish we had uh gotten to know that woman they pick up along the way a little bit better the one that's from the princess's home country really she doesn't get developed she doesn't even speak until like the end of her like arc i guess i kind of thought she was a mute for like a good chunk of the movie too i mean i wouldn't blame her <laughs> considering what she had to go through but she did just by being with them get them out of one situation yeah that was cool well do we have anything else we want to hit on in this one or some overall presentation no that covered all my stuff i'd wrote down about this yeah i'm ready let's do it so we have a scale that we use to rate these movies that goes from burn it pass watch it or buy it in that order we all give a little spiel, and then we try to average out our scores at the end, so who knows what we'll say. Usually, we pick this randomly, but today, yeah, I was you just know, waiting for it. as I was walking <laughs> to get my mail, uh, I ran into this, uh, this woman that was, I'd always thought was, she couldn't speak, she was mute or something. She never said a <laughs> word before, but finally she's like, Terry, I don't think you realized how much you've helped me in my decision. And I was like, what? <laughs> what decision? She's like, I know you always are recording your podcast on the floor below me. And I think I've finally decided who needs to go first for the next episode. And I was like, oh, <laughs> really? Like, yeah, yeah. I think I think Mike should go first. And I was like, oh, you know, well, well. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Let's, that feels right this time. Yeah. So, you know, out of respect for the, the, the woman who lives above me, I think uh, Mike probably should go first on this one. Yes, out of respect and thanks for listening in, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> Old lady above Terry. I guess I kind of had some preconceived ideas about this one, knowing it was 
the uh, influence for George Lucas in Star Wars, but it's a very loose kind of um, inspiration like we talked about. I really enjoyed kind of the first um, probably 45 minutes of this movie with the bumbling idiots and just the general buffoonery they get up to. And then when Mifune shows up, that was pretty awesome. But I will say once they actually leave the fortress, I kind of, I don't know, got a little bored with it. Not that it was bad, but it just like kept going and going. This is a long movie. And I feel like a lot of stuff probably could have been cut down, but I don't know what I would cut. I'm going to say watch it, I guess. If you're kind of interested in uh, Kurosawa or want to see where George Lucas got some inspiration, this is kind of a fun uh, adventure movie for a little bit. But just know it is long and it does kind of drag in a couple spots, I think. So watch it from Mike. Similar to Mad Mike, I I did feel this movie was a little long and I probably could have cut some things. I mean... (laughs) And I do know what I would have cut. I tell you what, there was a fair amount of walking and running and stick smashing and <laughs> meadow searching. <laughs> that probably could have cut a good 15, 20 minutes out of there. But that said, it wasn't a bad move by any means. I mean, it looks really good. And for 1958, that's just a incredible feat of photography and camera work. So it's phenomenal in that regard. It's full of great actors notably Toshiro Mifune, our boy, that guy. Man, what a treasure. I think I gotta give this one a watch it as well. It wasn't my favorite in the series by any means, but that may have been in part because I was uh, also expecting something a little more along the lines of the other movies we watched. But again, that doesn't mean it was a bad movie. I think this is a great swashbuckling adventure tale, maybe even one to watch with the kiddos, you know? TV can show it to the kiddos in his apartment. Yeah. Oh, God. Come on in, kids. Yeah, if I can't hear enough of you already. Oh! <laughs> 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 Must get shots fired. <laughs> I just kind of. <laughs> yeah, I think the only thing holding that theory back about with the kiddos is hopefully they don't mind subtitles. True. Unless there's a dub. I don't know if there's a dub. But, uh... I was pretty entertained by this. It's kind of a fun movie, and it is a nice change of pace from the rest of the, the samurai movies we've done so far in the series. My main issues with it are kind of with the characters. I feel like our goofy peasant characters never really get their due in terms of like actually becoming somewhat of a hero, maybe. That would have been nice. Instead, they're kind of bumbling until the very end where suddenly they decide maybe we shouldn't be so greedy. I'm not sh- necessarily sure why even because they still get their money at the end i'm not i don't know and like with the generals like there's kind of a villain in this movie not really the general's friend slash enemy i wish he could have had some more time i think just a lot of these characters could have used a little more time uh maybe a little less time of yeah like them climbing up hills and busting up sticks but overall i do it, it is still pretty good i will say i haven't cracked up this out loud during a movie as much as this movie in a long time just watching them do that horse pantomime scene that i've mentioned like five (laughs) times in this review already (laughs) because i loved it so much just the way that was oh man it's pretty funny honestly like there is a couple of off-color non-aged well at all jokes that are pretty uncomfortable but for the most part it is a really funny movie and it's a charming movie too i think which is good so i think i'm gonna give it a watch it 
I really did enjoy it, but I think it could have been just a little bit more to make it a little, just, just slightly more satisfying, and I, I think I would have loved it. I really enjoy Akira Kurosawa's movies. I'd say he's probably one of my um, favorite directors out of all the movies I've seen from him. It's nice getting to watch a director known for doing something like try and do a different style of film. Like Kurosawa is known for his deep introspective looks at characters and situations and morals and things like that, right? So this is quite a bit, I won't say totally out of his wheelhouse, but it's quite a bit different from what you usually get from him because the characters are mostly one note in this, with the exception of like the princess and a couple others. I do agree with the criticism that I think they all needed a little bit more time in the oven, uh, so to speak, so that way they could really get more attached to them and what they're going through and all that. That being said, though, I do think this is a really fun, really good adventure movie with some pretty high stakes. As you have um, the princess of this wiped out nation, basically, who's trying to escape from behind enemy lines with the, the samurai general protecting her. And the only way she can do it is by traveling with two buffoons, <laughs> essentially. So it's got really high stakes, which keeps the tension going for me. And like, are they going to make it? It's fun watching these types of movies, I think. It's like watching an Indiana Jones or The Mummy or Star Wars, obviously. It's nice. It's so much more than just like the movie that inspired Star Wars. And there's a lot of great stuff to love here in this film. I think I'm going to give it a buy it. I This is a movie that, like I said, it'd be perfect for me to just pop on on like a Sunday morning and just sit back and relax and enjoy some good swashbuckling adventure. Well, there you have it. The Hidden Fortress is a uh, watch it. Run the reel certified. Watch it. Yep, yep. We finally did it. You're welcome, Kurosawa. We finally introduced you to the world. <laughs> and we gave you a watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Oof. <laughs> it was good, though. I did like it. Yeah, it was a nice change of pace, which what I wasn't expecting, I guess, was, yeah, that the night, it was going to be a little more lighthearted, which, is, which was an, a pleasant surprise at the end, I think. Yeah, it's super funny. I agree. So I think for our, our next category we're going to do is uh, a little spring-slash-summer cleaning. We're going to watch the movies that we bought but haven't actually watched yet. I think I mentioned in a few reviews ago that I have an extensive... Well, maybe not as extensive as I thought after I looked, but quite a few of these that I have not actually watched that I, they're just sitting collecting dust in my collection. Yep, yep. Same. So I thought uh, I'd let you three decide your fate of what movie you're going to watch uh, from from my unwatched movies. Um, so your first option is a movie that Terry bought in the Walmart bargain bin. Ooh. The second option is a sequel to a movie that we covered from our entire show career. So that could include college. Radio Show Days, up until now. It's a sequel to one of the movies we covered. And the last one is 
a movie by a director that we've already covered once since we started the podcast. Did we like him? That is a mystery. Hmm. I think that Terry might be baiting us with the director that we've covered before, because that could mean a lot of things. So I'm going to... I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. I believe we were three dudes reviews when we covered it. Oh, man. I want to try and figure this out. Is it Neil Blomkamp? You guys didn't do one of his, did you? Uh, Didn't we? We have not. You always threaten me with the uh, Blomkamp like triple series or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'm voting for the the Bargain Bin movie. I want to see what that is. I was thinking the Bargain Bin because sometimes you can get gold out of that. Guess if I get burned every time I go down this Bargain Bin route. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> the director could be Shyamalan because you guys uh, did Unbreakable. We also did. We did a lot of stuff as three dudes. Or it could be another Tarkovsky. Is it Alex Garland? I'm not giving any more hints. Oh, it could be. Is it Ex Machina? I bet it's Ex Machina. It could be. But Terry's seen that. Oh, has he? Oh, I thought he never watched it. Who did The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? David Fincher. Yeah. Oh, good old Fincher. I bet it's a David Fincher. It's a Fincher movie. I knew it. Man, I don't think it's him. I think it's something weird. I'm putting the bargain bin. Yeah, I'm voting the bargain bin, too. <laughs> well, looks like two out of three. Sorry, Fox. It's fine. It sounds like the bargain bin was voted for, and that means we're going to watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> you got to tell us what the others were now and, and which one they were in. <laughs> All right. For the sequel to something we covered within... Our entire span of the show was RoboCop 2. Oh. Um, And then for the Three Dudes Reviews era by a director we've covered before, it was going to be The Wrestler. What's that guy's name? The guy who did Mother, that director. Darren Aronofsky, maybe? Aronofsky, okay. Yep, that was going to be the other one. Wow, well, dodged a bullet there, I guess. (laughs) I've heard it's good. All Aronofsky does is bum me out all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure Killer Clowns from Outer Space isn't going to be a bummer. How no, could it be a bummer not. with a name like that? How have you not seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space? I mean, I've owned this movie for a long time. I don't know why I haven't watched it. That seems like the like iconic TV <laughs> movie. I mean, it does. <laughs> this will be good. I'm excited. Some, uh, I guess, sci-fi horror. I have no idea what to expect from this movie. I've actually heard it's pretty good, but. Who knows? So if any of you out there have any thoughts or feelings about the movie we watched, you know, let us know. We want to know what you guys think. If you agree with us, disagree with us, we want to hear it all. Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at RunTheReal, or you can email us at RunTheRealPodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear what you guys think about these movies. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for other samurai movies that we should check out sometime? I want to hear that. I know I'm going to keep watching them. It has definitely opened my eyes to maybe something I need to watch more of because I had watched very few before this series. Sure was great, though. He's a changed man. <laughs> it was a good series. Full of at least watch-its. Like, that's pretty good. Well, thanks for listening to us tonight, guys. We really appreciate it. Be sure to tune in next week for our new category. This should be fun. 
hopefully I don't have nearly as many movies that I haven't watched as these other guys so <laughs> we'll see how it goes you gotta buy some movies before it's your turn <laughs> that's what I was thinking I was like is this a loophole <laughs> anyways yeah be sure to tune in to us next week this is Run The Real signing off Thank you.